Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 545. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today, taking some time out of your day to listen to what I think you will find is a wonderful episode. I have an amazing guest, Dr. Carlton Abner from Kansas City University, who has a phenomenal job of making sure students and faculty and everyone at the university is kind of up to their peak wellness, mentally, physically. Uh, he's He is an awesome person. He's a great conversation, or I have a great conversation with him. He is a great conversation as well, and he's going to be at MAPTCON uh, speaking on Saturday nights as well as some other stuff as well. So if you haven't gotten your ticket yet to MAPTCON and you're listening to this before October 6th, go to mappedcon.com today and get your ticket. Before we jump in, though, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Make sure you go over to blueprintmcat.com and sign up for their free account. Yes, it is completely free to get access to all of their amazing free tools, including their amazing study planner platform, which allows you to understand what you need to do to get your MCAT prep in with the time that you have allotted. When you are studying for the MCAT and life gets in the way, you have a study plan to lean back on. And yeah, it's not gonna be perfect, but with their drag and drop interface, you can move some stuff around and and make it all happen. So that is what, uh, yeah, that's what you should go over to blueprintmcat.com for right now, today. All right, let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to Dr. Carlton Abner, Associate Provost Campus Health and Wellness at Kansas City University. Carlton, welcome to the pre-mid years. Thanks for joining me. I am elated to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Elated. I like that word. Uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Um, Based on what you do with helping health professional students, uh, med students, other other types of health professional students, really get through the process. Uh, We are in a world where it is not as cliche uh, or as, uh, cliche is not the right word, uh, as looked down upon to talk about mental health, to talk about yeah, yeah. resiliency, 
which is a great thing that that more people are bringing it up to the the, the kind of forefront and uh, exposing their struggles. And you are there helping them through that process. Let's talk about how you got here. Like, why why are you helping these students in the first place? Yeah, I um, I took advantage of of a passion that I have, and you know the 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 thing is, I have always been drawn to serving other people, to helping other people. That's what drew me to my profession, which is which is nursing. So got a lot of uh, opportunity to do that in the 15 years that I was at the bedside as an ER nurse. Um, while I was there, I amassed you know some uh, military experience. So I started out as an army nurse. Um, then I got uh, away from the bedside and started doing uh, some leadership and operational roles in a variety of, of healthcare related fields, which exposed me to the leadership development uh, experience that I have, the change management experience, program, project management experience. And all of that was in this toolbox. And I'm like, well, what do I do with all of this stuff? What's next for me? And this opportunity came up at Kansas City University where they wanted to um, uh, hire an associate provost of campus health and wellness. And then I found out it was the first time they've hired someone in this role. Mm. And so I went in and just kind of let them know that, you know, I, I'm your guy. It, what you want is someone who has all of that experience, particularly the change management, because you don't want someone who's got like this 10 years of health and wellness experience are going to come in, you know, and, and day two have their five year plan ready to go. Because the first thing you have to do is win hearts and minds. So that is the literal journey of, of how I've taken, you know, 30 years of healthcare experience and, and turned it into my first ever full-time wellness job uh, and the first ever uh, full-time dedicated person uh, here at Kansas City University uh, to well-being. Let, let's talk about why, so Kansas City University is sitting there going, just just on a whim going, hey, I think we should talk about health and wellness. Like, what was that in response to a need? Were they seeing students uh, having more and more issues and someone was smart enough to go, let's figure this out. 100% that's what happened. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that wisdom uh, in tracking climate. Uh, and, and so I essentially operate as a chief wellness officer here. So I have not only the students, but the faculty and staff as well oh. uh, that, I, that I'm in charge of, of trying to just make this a, a better place for folks uh, oh. as they either come to work or, or come to, to school. And I, I look at my job as helping people be the best, best version of themselves, whether that's helping them achieve their academic goals or their professional goals. Uh, but you're spot on that, that this was a response. Um, our, our president, um, via a climate survey, um, found some trends that he thought it was time that instead of having this be an additional add-on job for someone, uh, it is, it's time to bring someone in and, and dedicate them to this role and, and see if we can uh, advance on some of our wellness objectives. Yeah, good, good for him. That's, that's awesome. Uh, do you think, right, when, when we look at health and wellness and burnout and uh, other, other bad outcomes of burnout and, and um, going through this process, do you think we're seeing more and more of it because the students that are coming up are less prepared? Or do you, do you think we're seeing more and more of it because more people are willing to talk about it because it's, it's less of a, a thing that you're, you're not allowed to talk about? I think both. Um, and, you know, one, I, I applaud younger generations for helping us to destigmatize the need for help, um, particularly among males, people of color, people who are traditionally not going to raise their hand and say, hey, that's me. I think I'm the one who needs that help. Um, so we're seeing some of that destigmatization lead to more people um, walking to that door, walking into our counseling services or picking up the phone and going through the convoluted uh, process of finding their own behavioral uh, therapist to go and talk to. 
But I also think, particularly for our younger generations, and I'm specifically talking to uh, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, uh, there is less social preparation. Uh, and this is particularly important for high performers, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I love physicians. I always look at them as, you know, their tip of the spear, like the special forces of healthcare delivery, right? They're, you're at the pinnacle of, of what you have to give up in order to be a physician. Um, and what that means is you are already limited socially, right? Like you're going to spend your 20s and uh, your 18s, your undergrad and your graduate years focused um, on this this goal of, of becoming a physician and that can limit social exposure so there was already that piece for high performers to begin with but in general uh, since 2008 through 2012 with um, smartphones and social media we see less and less social contact anyway uh, and so what all do we I, I, I want to challenge that assumption right yeah. is it is it less social contact or more in-person social in person contact. yeah yeah that, that's a great that's a great distinction so it is it is less in-person social contact so i call it the lack of skin knees and and wh <laughs> what i mean by that is and when i grew up the way we figured out where people were we went on where are the bicycles or the bikes right <laughs> yes I was, I was gonna say we look to be about the same age and so this would be relevant right so yep. so I'm, I'm 48 and that was my upbringing right i'm a child of the 80s and 90s uh where you know we had that was the, that was the way you, you either grabbed your really long phone cord from the kitchen <laughs> phone and you walked around the house and tried to figure out what people were yep. or you jumped on your bike and you rode to wherever the collection of bicycles were well, there are other things that happened, right? So while we were in the neighborhood, we fell off those bikes. We got skin knees. We got into fights. We learned where the social boundaries were, what was socially acceptable, what was what was not. We learned how to coordinate very quickly because of that in-person social connection. And we also were able to build some resiliency that only in-person social connection can give you. Yeah. When you do all of that online and the younger than younger and younger you are, you are more likely to have most of your interactions uh, online. Um, my, man, my, my, I'm ashamed to say this. My six-year-old doesn't even know how to ride his bike yet. So my 10-year-old barely, uh, but he can't <laughs> stand up yet. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, anecdotally, I, I tell, you know, folks, it's, it's the equivalent of being about three to five years delayed hmm. on social maturation. And again, that's anecdotal. That, that is a number I'm picking yeah. out of the air, but I, uh, I'm at primarily a post-baccalaureate um, university. It's all graduate and above uh, that we have here. And, and so for me, that means my 22-year-old um, bachelor degree achieving student socially could still be struggling at about the same place that I was when I was 18. And yeah. I have to recognize that. And the, back to your first point, the good news is they're the first ones to say it. Hey, we are looking for someone to help guide us here. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily because they recognize that something's missing, right? Because it's all context. They don't know if they're missing something. Uh, but I, I, again, I applaud them for saying, you know what? We want to um, renegotiate this relationship between faculty and student, and we need some people to reach in and help us out. We, we know that we are there. Um, and so I'm hearing more and more of that uh, as well versus, um, you know, students showing up and, and you know, just putting their boat in the water and going with the flow that that those days are gone uh, yeah. for higher ed. Uh, obviously you can only speak for your institution, but when I talk to students, there's always a fear of uh, reprisal, right? There's fear of if I go and talk to someone that it's going to be in my file, it's going to, it's going to affect my ability to, to graduate, to get better grades, to, to 
in, in our specific case, right, we're going through medical school to match. Um, <clears throat> talk about how KCU and, and what you do to protect students and, and give them some reassurance that like it's a safe environment, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the unfortunate part about that fear is, you know, be, because of the way licensure is structured, there are some states where that is a legitimate fear, right? Like, unfortunately, uh, we look at, um, you know, anxiety or depression or having to be treated for those very common ailments as something that might be able to detract you from being a fully qualified physician, which is absurd. Like, that just doesn't happen to yeah. any other job. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some credibility to, to that fear. So I totally get that. What I tell particularly our comm faculty is the best way to get around that fear. Because, I mean, what's the alternative? Not get treatment? Yeah. yeah. And then, then how, do you, how do you succeed, right? I, yeah. I say everything is wellness, right? If you're not well, you're not going to perform academically well. Um, so the, if you are faced with that alternative, please, yes, go get help. And I tell our comm faculty uh, you know, a, a variation of what I just told you, we, we have to move away from this mentality of waiting for students to reach out and we have to find a way to reach in. Uh, everything right now, we're, we're, we're still far away from that transition. So we haven't hit our inflection point either um, because change is slow, behavior change is slow, changing those norms is kind of slow, but that is where we need to go. We can't just keep setting up services to where, hey, click this link or dial this phone number and then figure out because yeah, there is that apprehension to actually reaching out for some of our students. We're breaking yeah. through, but I don't think we've hit critical mass yet or, or the tipping point where we could say it is normal to reach out, particularly while you're on this very arduous quarter million dollar journey where you have a lot at risk, right? So yeah. I, I get it. I get the apprehension. I really do. Yeah. And, and I want to add some context to what you had mentioned, right? There there are some states and, and there's a very popular TikToker who's doing some great things about mental health and talking about it in the physician world. And he had a very popular video that I, I very much disliked because it didn't have the context of it's, it's only a few states that still have very archaic language in their, their licensing paperwork that says, have you ever been treated for depression? Have you ever been treated for anxiety? Like just straight up questions like that. And then there's this fear that if I say yes, I'm not going to be able to get a medical license in that state. Fortunately, most states, most, almost all of them have very... Uh, very broad language that says, "Have you? do you have any sort of physical condition or mental condition that would prevent you from doing your job? Right. And, and so that's a very safe, like, no, like I have bi yeah. treated bipolar disorder, I'm right. fine, right? Uh, yeah. not, not a problem. Uh, and so I, I just wanted to add that context uh, because it is a fear, but mm -hmm. it's very few states and hopefully there's a lot of pressure on those states as as uh, these TikTokers are doing their thing to, to go change that language. I, I, I love it. I, again, I, I just, I love the, how vocal our, our younger generations are about this and other things when it comes to work-related stuff. They just aren't taking it anymore. And yeah. I, 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 again, I applaud them for, uh, for that. But, it, but that's the thing with social norms, right? Once a norm is established, uh, it, it, it takes a certain critical mass before the new norm hits. And, and again, I just don't think we're there at that inflection point uh, where people are coming in and, and, and aware of, hey, that's not the norm anymore. Yeah. Uh, I saw the same thing in the military. In the military, uh, people were very apprehensive to go and get help because they yeah. thought it was going to be uh, on their file somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. The two I, don't I was, talk. 
I was a flight surgeon in the Air Force, yeah, right? Yeah, and right, so right. these these people coming to me, these pilots, their identity mm. is wrapped up in their career field. Yeah. And they don't want to tell me what's going on because yeah. I would ground them and and take away their their identity. And so I saw the same hard. thing. Yeah, I started out in the army, but I just ended 14 years in the Air Force Reserves. And so yeah, the FFA, uh, the FAA, and, and the regulations they have, like if you start taking any type of new medication, yeah, yeah. sorry, we can't, you can't, we can't take the controls until we know you're safe. Yeah. Which which is fair, which is fair, uh, but people just don't want to go through that process, so they hide it. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. So, so let's talk about the pre-med listening to this. What can they start doing today to start to build some resiliency in their life? Right? They've been they've been sheltered and protected their whole life. Uh, right? I, I have a nine and a five year old, and my my in laws are like, "Careful, careful, careful, careful." I'm like, "Let them fall down. It's okay." Oh, hundred percent. Teaching moments. <laughs> right. Teaching moments. Yeah. Yes, the stove is hot. Touch yeah. it. <laughs> don't, don't touch it. Context. Context is everything. I, you, yeah. You want to find out? Find out. <laughs> F F A F O. Um, yeah. Yes. So yeah. the, how does a pre med right? They're they're going through their organic chemistry class, their physics mm -hmm. class. They're they're struggling in their their early pre med year. How do we start to build some resiliency into their life so that when it comes to starting to struggle in med school, what I struggled in med, I failed my first test in medical school, histology. Oh, wow. I, wow. I aced my anatomy test, but I failed my histology test. Guess what I liked more? I liked anatomy more. So that's what I spent oh, my yeah, time sure. on. Yeah, yeah. You spent right? more time studying the stuff you already knew. Yeah. Shocker. Um, yeah. So, so how do we build that resiliency early? Yeah, you know, the, the cool thing is, while I don't have a lot of uh, contextual experience with the the journey of a pre-med student, uh, or even a po even a medical student, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still learning all of the steps that folks have to go through. What I do know is everything that I do is very generalizable because it involves human existence, the brain, the thoughts, uh, and how all of that stuff works together to then become an output, which is behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I would say this to the med student, it all boils down to the four aspects of human existence. And that is, you are always going to face a circumstance or a situation you are always going to have thoughts about that situation. Those thoughts are going to lead to emotions. And together, those thoughts or emotions within that situation are going to lead to behavior. Mm. That, that's foundational wherever you are in your journey. And it's always good to just go back to those basics. What's the circumstance? What am I thinking? How am I feeling? And then seeing how all of that is then driving your behavior. So for the pre-med student, what I would say to them is some of you are going to indeed make it. Some of you are not. But again, if you go back to whether what, whatever side of the road you are there on those two options, it all boils down to how are you, what are you thinking and how are you feeling? Uh, the other thing I would say is the best way of answering those questions is to have a good understanding of who you are. There are plenty of tools out there that will help you with that, like disk assessments, strength, fi strength finders. Mm -hmm. But the more you know about you, the more you can then be able to boil down your thoughts and feelings to a behavior that's going to be helpful versus having maladaptive thoughts and feelings and then having an ineffective response based on those mal maladaptive thoughts and feelings. Uh, so you, you just develop time with you. The only way you can do this, though, 
is putting in the work. You've got to yeah. spend time with who, who you are. You've got to spend time with others so that you can see where those social norms are uh, and, and stay connected to other people so you can get feedback, whether that be verbal or nonverbal. Uh, but yeah, spend time with understanding who you are and then boil down, check yourself, catch it, check it, change it. What am I thinking? How am I feeling? And then validating whether or not those feelings and thoughts are true. And if they aren't, what can I change? Let's let's try to give a specific example here. So a student who takes general chemistry, they're, they're a first year student taking Gen Chem 1, first time away from home, living on a college campus, and they fail, right? Mm -hmm. How using that example of like the 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 action or or the the results that leads to these these next things talk about where where students can catch themselves to to fix it down the line yeah it's and it's so hard to start there because there are so many um things that preceded that failure mm -hmm. like did you build appropriate support network um and you said pre-med or med student pre-med yeah. Pre so yeah. For, first you, year college. First time, yeah. First first year away from home and nobody's yep. cooking your meals, doing nope. your laundry. <laughs> You're walking around in your dirty underwear, not understanding how to clean it or yeah. you know, any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And not having uh, homework every single day to keep you on yeah. track. Right. You mm -hmm. show up to the first day of class, you get a syllabus, see you in three months for your final. Yeah. And I, I would say. You, you don't know how to do something you've never done. Are, are you ready for college? No. You don't get plugged in like Neo in the Matrix? No, like, exactly. I, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> the answer is no, you're not ready. Are you capable? Probably. And so if you just reconcile those two, it can really help you get better prepared before the test. And so what that means, am I ready? No. Well, how can I get ready? Get a mentor. Mm. Immediately link up with uh, someone who is doing the same thing you are trying to do and let them guide you on what worked for them. All right. So now let's just get to the test. So you do all of that stuff beforehand. You're figuring life out, but you still fail the test, right? The first thing you're going to think is probably something you thought the minute you arose, you got on college campus. I don't know if I can do this. Like, who am I? who am I? I'm coming from this podunk town or this big city or this whatever. And I had this broken family or this great family or whatever, but you're going to feel like I don't belong. I don't measure up all of these things that you're going to be telling yourself. And then you get this little bit of affirmation for all of those negative thoughts. <laughs> oh, you failed your test. I must be a failure. Mm. Listen, there's a big difference between I am dumb and that was dumb. And mm. you have to be able to reconcile that. Um, doing an all-nighter uh, and making that your way of studying, going out to that party before that test, that was dumb. It doesn't mean you were dumb. So you have to recover on what you're telling yourself, how you're talking to yourself, and then those emotions. Yeah, it sucks. It's a, pun it's a, it's a, a punch in the gut, right? But the thing about resilience is you need that. If you're going to do anything meaningful in your life, you're going to have setbacks because again, there's no way you're going to master or be ready for anything you've never done. So the only way to get better is to go and do it. Get comfortable with failure, get comfortable with the plan B, C, D, and E, go through the alphabet if you have to, but know who you are, know how you're talking to yourself, and when, not if, you hit that point of adversity, start talking to yourself in a kind way. Get away, walk, do whatever it is you need to do to stay plugged into whatever brings you joy so that you can turn the temperature down in your own head, start telling yourself more positive things, and then you come back at it the next day uh, with different thoughts, different emotions, and it will lead to a different outcome. It sounds like what you're talking about 
potentially is at the end of the day, just habit formation, right? There's, uh, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, reading books and like atomic habits and tiny habits and the power of habit. And it's, it's like, what is the trigger? What is the response? What is the trigger? Yep. What is the response? The trigger is I got to see uh, responses. I'm an idiot. The trigger is I don't understand this question while I'm doing my homework. <laughs> the response is yep. I'm an idiot, right? And you're yeah. just self-fulfilling prophecy kind of yeah. situation. Are you a fan of, of students trying to understand these types of, of habit formation and, and potentially going and reading some of these books to see what may resonate with them? Yeah, I'm a fan of anything that helps students get to know themselves better mm. and understanding how the brain works and understand how decisions work. So be, habit is a behavior, right? So again, there are many things that precede that behavior, like the neurobiology of wiring, firing. That's what I'm talking about with the thoughts. If you always talk to yourself a certain way, then you're going to continue to, because those are the neurons that are wired. You're going to continue to talk to yourself until you make new connections mm-hmm. and that's, that's the reframing that you need. So yeah, I, I, I biff that test, you know, I'll just completely biff it. And, um, uh, now I'm back to talking to myself the way I always have, mm-hmm. but unless you reframe that you wire and fire new, uh, connections with your brain, it, it's going to be very hard to get out of that, that, that cycle of, of doom and gloom, uh, yeah. that, uh, that you're used to. Uh, unfortunately, there are students listening to this who may have grown up. Uh, uh, the the term that I've seen is with with emotionally immature parents, parents who don't have the skill set to raise emotionally mature children, and a lot of that negative self talk was placed by parents, by siblings, by by other um, people in this yeah. this person's life. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I'm not sure what your yeah. thoughts are with with therapy for dealing with a lot of this stress mm-hmm. that students are going through. Yeah, again, foundational. Who are you? Yeah, and there's there's <laughs> we think we're good at answering that question ourselves. <laughs> nope, we are te- we are terrible, <laughs> yep. terrible at self reflection. Uh, and what's worse is we think we're so good at it. Right now, there's the only way that you can you know see how your hair looks uh, if you have hair um, <laughs> is by looking in the mirror. Right, and the only way you can really get to know yourself is by exposing yourself to other people and getting feedback. The best feedback is that clinical feedback. Right, going to a therapist. Um, we are one day removed from my Friday shirt which is a shirt that says my therapist's name is Glinda. Um, and on the back, it says it's okay uh, to be okay. I wear that uh, around campus every Friday. It's okay to uh, not be okay, I think is what, yeah, what it sorry, says. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay to be okay. <laughs> sure it is. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wear that every Friday um, because I want to destigmatize, but to also nice. to tell people, hey, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, I went to back to counseling uh, in January of this year after realizing that um, – sometime last year, summertime, I was burnt out. New job just started it. So I was a year into my new job. I was crushing it. Um, But then, you know, I got a few things across the line and hit that lull. And man, I just could not get out of that lull um, because I was go, 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 get this program up. And this lull and some of the adversity that I was facing uh, that you always face in change management and new programs just kept beating me down, beating me down. And what was wiring and firing in my brain is you're never going to do it. You're never going to make it. This is worthless. Why are you doing this? And man, it, it was a funk that I knew I was not going to get out on my own. Uh, and so in January, I did my uh, my own reaching out and, and going through that gauntlet of finding a, a therapist. Found one. Her name is Glinda, and I tell everybody about her. Uh, so yeah, definitely a fan. Uh, and then the, uh, back to the parents. Yeah. 
you, you gotta you gotta give your parents some grace, right? You know, it goes back to what I was. Just, no one is ready for anything they've never done. I have a ten year old. I have no idea what it's like to raise an eleven year old, or a thirteen year old, or fourteen. Or I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, you just have to understand that as a parent. But if you're going to give yourself grace on being a parent, then you've got to look back to that childhood and give your parents grace. What capacity did they have? to raise you, what would they were equipped with? What lessons did they have? So if they're starting from an empty cup, yeah. but they were able to give you a quarter of themselves, that's a win. Because uh, in my mind, the goal of parenting is to parent a child that can do it better than you next time. So look back, give your parents some grace and just realize that's all of our backgrounds. <laughs> We've all got parental baggage we're bringing with us because none of our parents were equipped to do what they did. Um, because, you know, it was the first time they did it for all of, for, uh, for all of us. So they got some things wrong. Give them grace. Look at what they did give you, um, and, which is a very important tool. We tend to fixate on ideal states. This is, this is from – this is definitely not mine. It's from a great book called The Gap in the Gain of how we tend to focus on uh, ideal states. Uh, I wish I had this ideal parent. If only I had, you know, these ideal perfect parents, how much better – and, and so we're looking off into this ideal state, which is really like the horizon, right? And horizons are great reference points. But the thing about the horizons is you'll never get there. And that is what it means to be chasing an ideal state. There's that, that is the idea. There's no way of getting there. So the best thing you can do is turn around and look at what you got. What did your parents give you? So if you're stuck in that cycle of, man, they blew it. I'm so mad at them. Did you eat? Did you have shelter? Yeah. You know, what were the things you can spin it? There's always a way to gain from whatever your experience was. You can always gain. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not an absolutist. I don't believe in always and, and, and stuff like that, even though I just said that. So I'm sure that someone has an, an exception in their mind. Right. But it's there. Turn around, see what you got. What have you gained? Who are you because of that experience? How are you going to use it to be a better parent? And just realize that that's all. You're not alone. Everyone you're sitting next to. Same thing. I wish my parents fill in the blank. Yeah. Students going through this process are, are put through the ringer, right? Through, through undergrad, making sure that they, they know their organic chemistry and biochemistry and all of that fun stuff and can take the MCAT and do all this stuff and jump through all the hoops. And med school is, is the same thing. Uh, and then residency, even more. I, I'm sure that med students you're talking to are, are questioning all the time, is, is it worth it? How can someone going through this process at, a, at an earlier age, right? Before their, their loads in debt as a medical student, how can they start to judge whether or not, number one, it's worth it for them, or number two, that they have the mental resiliency to go through this process? You, you, help, you, can, you can help me with, with whether or not this is an accurate statement. No one goes through med school and residency um, or, or even prior to that, getting there without thinking they can't make it. Yeah. P pretty accurate. Agree. Yeah. 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 So I just, man, that's just too long of a journey, right? Like you're talking 11 years, uh, 11, 15. Uh, if you add the, the, the undergrad years, I mean, you're like 19 years invested into this. Yeah. Uh, I can't go 19 days without <laughs> doubting whether or not I'm capable so the, to think that you're going to show up for this decades-long journey and not, not have one of those, you're going to have multiple yeah. of those moments. And that is – so resilience is not thinking that way. It's not, it's not not having those moments. Resilience is, yeah, 
yeah, this is tough. This is tough. And then revisiting why you try, uh, why you endeavored to go on this journey in the first place. What is it in me? Who am I that made me want to go do this? Reconnecting with that. Um, and then, you know, tooling, get some sleep, getting reconnected uh, to whatever brings you joy. And I'll tell you this, you know, pro tip, those moments usually come when you aren't doing those things. They come when you have isolated yourself because you biffed it on that test. And you're like, I'm going to double down on all the things that helped me get through this before. Well, don't do the things that worked before that aren't working now. Yeah. You know, take a break, uh, connect with someone. Th- that would be the time to, to go um, you know, uh, to answer that call with someone who's like, Hey, you want to go and get some coffee, uh, or, uh, you know, a drink or what, you know, what have you, uh, that would be the time to do that versus doubling down. You, you want to take a break, but yeah, just get reconnected to why, uh, why you wanted to do this in the first place. And if everything aligns, keep going, keep pushing. That's resilience. It's not the lack of those thoughts. It's pushing through those thoughts. I like I like that. Uh, I'm a huge believer, uh, unfortunately, in the fallacy of sunk costs. That a lot of us sit there and go, "I've already spent X number of years doing it. I might as well finish it." Uh, but both for ourselves and and again, the, the parents chirping in our ears, going, "What do you mean you're gonna potentially drop out of school? Yeah. H- how do we overcome that uh, and and give ourselves grace to to maybe pivot on our journey?" Yeah, you know, and where you are in that journey does de- does deserve, um, you know, true reflection, right? Uh, I, man, I just, it's so funny. I just had a conversation with a student who's on a leave of absence yesterday, and I shared with him, you know, that concept of sunk costs that, you know, you're one semester in, uh, he left after one semester, and I'm like, so you're not anchored to that, you know, oh my gosh, I've got so much into this. So, you know, just be grateful that you're sitting back and evaluating. But yeah, there probably is a point where, you've got a lot of costs associated with this and whatever your decision is, is going to have to address a way. You can't go backpack and cross a Europe if you've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of loans. It's just, it's not smart. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but also I would say it's not smart to finish the journey just because you have over a hundred thousand dollars in loans. Um, if it ain't working, you know, uh, you, you, you're going to be miserable trying to get through there. So there are ways that you can overcome that. You get very limited in what those ways are. If it's not that physician track, but there are ways, there are things that you can do. So it does, it does, does deserve to be a consideration in, uh, as you're looking at what it is you're going to do, but not the consideration. The consideration is who are you? Why are you doing this? And is this still the route for achieving whatever that part of you that brought you to this journey in the first place. You're all you're going to find multiple times where you question that, um, and you have to continue to reassess and be connected to why you started the journey in the first place, uh, and then push through. Um, if it were easy, <laughs> we wouldn't have a physician shortage. So it's not it's not easy. But yeah. man, we need you. If yeah. you can do it, the world needs you. Looking at it from your perspective with with where you're at at the medical school, at the university that you're at, what are some common reasons for students to take leaves of uh, uh, a leave of absence so that the student listening to this in their undergrad years can potentially start to think about, oh, that's a common reason. Here's how I'm going to build some resilience towards that. There's a common reason. I'm going to start to build some resilience towards that. Is, is that potentially, do you think that's a worthwhile exploration of some common reasons 
to, to help students understand? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, it takes me back to my, to my days uh, in, in an air crew uh, where we would have a meeting about risk mitigation yeah. before every mission, right? Before we took off in the air, we were trying to identify risks, figuring out how uh, probable that risk was, and then figuring out what the impact of that risk. And then you had a mitigation strategy. Yep. And, and that's, you can, you know, you arrive at what you hope to get out of resilience by either those two ways, identifying what could happen and being prepared for it, or not identifying what could happen, not being prepared for it and making through anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's definitely value at all stages uh, of your life, uh, pre-med and med school of identifying possible things that could happen and then having, you know, some type of risk mitigation strategy. Uh, this particular one happened to be a, a death of a, of a close family member um, that uh, that pulled the, uh, the the student out, like distracted it, you know, right? So just super distracted. I'm gonna go ahead and take a leave of absence. And the thing about, you know, the leave of absence, I was always terrified, even in my undergrad years. I mean, I faced some adversity as, in, in undergrad that I made me think maybe I should just take a break. Every professor I talked to was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, the risks of not coming back after that break are too high. If you can push through, push through. If you can't, take the break. No one's going to know that. It's all contextual. Um, yeah. No one's going to know that except you. But preparing for those things are definitely going to help you. Uh, car breaking down missing a month of rent. Who's your go-to? Who's your network? That's why it's so super important to build a support network of both peers and mentors. If your mentors like you and they have a little extra money to help you, they will help you. Like, peers, man, like, mentors, sugar daddies. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I had one. Like, yeah. I, and I always tell like I've I try not to be like some creepy old man, you know, but I'm male or female people yep. that I connect and jive with. Here's my card. I put my cell phone number. I put me in your support network. And yeah. what I mean is the the engine breaks down and like a couple hundred dollars is life changing yeah. to to people who don't have that type of financial flexibility. So yeah, who what is that uh, that algorithm look like for you? What what's going to happen if there is a a death in the family? Um, how do you handle that with your parents? How do you manage those familial expectations? Uh, and how do you manage the expectations that your university is going to have for you? Um, and, and what type of relationship do you have with the leadership within uh, your comm uh, as you're going and weighing that decision? Do I go or do I stay? Do I go temporarily? Do I take a more uh, official leave of absence? What does the makeup look like? And, and the last thing I would say to that, it all comes down to capacity. Um, you have to be, uh, in fact, for me, uh, our, our program, uh, I, the foundational element of our program is capacity. And I, I implemented that because I wanted to have an operational definition of wellness. I'm not here to make you a yogi. I like healthy recipes, but if you don't have any, that's fine. What I want to do is protect your capacity. And so for the faculty and staff, if you've got professional goals you want to reach, I want to protect your capacity so you can reach them. For the students, your academic goals, I want you to be intentional about protecting your capacity. And another thing you need to consider when it comes to that is, do I engage in a relationship where I have a significant other, right? If it's going to draw too much on your capacity, you have to evaluate that. If their expectations are going to be that you're hanging out every weekend, I, I don't know if that's the right person and or the right time. So you have to be very intentional about risk mitigation and the impact of things that are going to pull from your capacity and what's the plan. You're never going to be able to plan for everything, but planning for something does something very critical to your thought process. It takes you from powerless to powerful. 
So if you can keep thinking about, hey, I don't have to stand here and take it. There are things I can do because I've already thought about this scenario and here are some options that I could use uh, when I encounter it. Yeah. And it's preparing you for the future as well as a physician because talk to any good surgeon, they're out there going, okay, I'm doing this surgery. These are the things that may pop up, right? These are the, the, the kind of the, the, the things that I have in my head, I'm going to cross that vein and that artery. And if I nick that, what do I need to do? And, but it's just like, you're always preparing for the, the other stuff happening. So exactly good skills to have. Well, Carlson, you're going to be at MAPTCON. I'm excited to hang out with you October 6th through 8th in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and you'll be speaking a lot about this as well. What can students expect to hear from you there? Oh, I'm super excited. Uh, again, like I said, everything I do here and the stuff that we've created is, is generalizable to any uh, anywhere you are in your journey uh, in life, not just um, you know professional or academic journey. The main thing I'll be talking about is uh, that kind of train of thought that we just talked about in the human experience, the impact of self-talk, your thoughts, your emotions, and, and how that then um, leads to certain behaviors. And if you can intervene at the thoughts, you usually have a good fix on what that outcome is going to be. If you don't, and those thoughts are just flying away, the emotions get out of control, and you're not able to focus. Uh, on a, achieving a, a, a decent outcome. Uh, that's one piece. And then the other thing um, that I didn't even think was going to be, um, you know, something that we landed on was I've, I've done a lot of things um, uh, associated with mentoring and leadership uh, and, and, and coaching. Um, but I, I know this from my time in the acute care arena. Well, we just do a terrible job of that, right? Uh, I know on the nursing side, we would um, we would find a good clinician, we would promote them to some type of leadership role, and then we would just expect them to lead, right? Isn't, like, isn't that terrible? Like, yes, you're a doctor, yes! you must be a good leader. Uh, it's like you scored a 520 on the MCAT, you must be a good teacher. Like, no, figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's another. That's a you. So you're going to show up. This is this is something that I I even had to check myself on. Med students are going to show up with that. You're smart. You got whatever this. You got the MCAT. You got your medical school. You should know better. And I'm like, finally, it dawned on me. I'm like, man, if I'm thinking that, surely there are fact. How are they going to know better? Yeah. We still have to mentor and coach, right? It's the missing ingredient. You're not prepared for something you've never done until you've done it. Their intelligence has no no role in the experience until the experience happens, and then the intelligence can latch on to that experience. Um, you know, so I, it, it, what a what a bad what a bad uh, what a bad rap that uh, you get when you show up uh, for med school because you're you're already smart. But yeah, the mentoring and coaching is something that was missing on the healthcare side that I saw, and so I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, if, if you are in a position to mentor and coach, how you can do that. And if you are uh, not receiving that mentor and coaching and want to, um, how you can kind of stimulate that process as well. Where can students find out more about what you do and uh, all the great stuff that you're doing? Yeah, like I said, I, I love this. I love what I'm doing. Uh, Kansas City University, our president's cabinet. Um, I, I serve on that president's cabinet, and I only I only mention that because that's where all my contact information is. So if you do Kansas City University president's cabinet, you'll see the contact information. Uh, I do not mind anyone reaching out to me directly. Uh, C Abner at Kansas City University. Uh, edu. Um, C A B N E R at Kansas City University. Edu. Um, or and certainly, you know, at the, the conference, I'm looking forward to, to connecting there <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be a few people that I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm really, I'm digging your vibe. If you need me, if you need some help, let me know. <laughs> Love it. Carlton, thanks for so much for coming on the pre-med years. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
All right, so there you have it again, Dr. Carlton Abner from Kansas City University. Again, he's going to be at MAPSCon October 6th through 8th. So come hang out with all of us, our whole team. And uh, yeah, come learn, come connect with med schools, come network with med schools, come be recruited by med schools and come to our workshops that we're going to have, suturing workshops, splinting workshops, CPR, all kinds of amazing stuff. That's mappedcon.com, M-A-P-P-D-C-O-N.com. We have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.